Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Team Elmo's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right, our play by play call of the day. Show of hands, how many people heard of Louis Domingue until he had to step in the net last night? <laughs> He's the winning goalie because the Penguins did this in the third overtime. Paddles it for Nemeth. Off the end wall for Schneider. Turns it over to McGinn. He's knocked down by Schneider. Rolls back down low. McGinn back to his feet to Kapanen behind the cage. Kapanen drifts to the far corner with it. Up the wall now. Back to the point for Marino. Wrist shot. Scores! Evgeny Malkin plays hero. The flex in Sturkin. And you can slap it on the Broadway marquee. The Penguins take game one and lead this series one game to nothing. Josh gets off with a call on the Penguins radio network last night as they win the opener. I looked up journeyman in the uh, dictionary today. Louis Domingue's picture was there. Okay, uh, with that, we bring in the outstanding Michael Barkan. Michael, great to have you back on the show. Thanks a lot for your time today. Steve Jones, thank you. It's great to be with you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Always great to hear you on the other the end. voice of Penn State. I love it. <laughs> it's an honor. Hey, really, it's, it's an, an honor. honor. It's an honor to have you on. You know how greatly I respect your work. Uh, I got you. Okay, so uh, I'll do this in two parts. We'll start with the Eagles. You know, the draft and the Brown trade. Number one, when the Brown trade was announced, what was your reaction to the fact that they pulled it off and then the draft choice of Davis on top of that? Well, I mean, starting with Davis, you're talking about a human building. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> a building that runs a 4740. And then, yeah. you, you know, you, you watch some of the moves he makes, and there's, what do they call it, Reg- regular speed and game speed. I mean, 4.7 is, is, is amazing for a guy that's his size and weight. But when you see him on the field and you see how sometimes guys uh, running back would get past him out of the backfield, he's, oh, not, not so fast. And he, he's got hands that are quick, too. He grabs these guys. He pulls them down for loss or for minimal yardage. And, and just to, also to see him not be in the frame, and then all of a sudden, this just blots out the sun. There's a guy right there. His name is Jordan Davis. Um, I also I love his personality. I love his verve. Uh, I love his – he's got flair, and I love that. That'll be great in Philadelphia. And then the A.J. Brown trade. Are you kidding me? I've been yeah. very critical over the years uh, of Howie Roseman, and, and certainly uh, I think some of his drafts have cost the franchise, unfortunately, dearly, have set them back years in some cases, Marcus Smith comes to mind certainly, um, and they're they're you know they're they're picks that just haven't worked out. Certainly in the lower rounds, he's got guys like Jason Kelsey that have worked mm-hmm. out. But this draft mm-hmm. for Howie Roseman, I think, was awesome, Steve. It was just it was a great draft, and the the uh, AJ Brown when when that happened, 
all right, now they're, they're trading all those picks, and, and now what's going to happen? Uh, who are they going to get? And it's A.J. Brown? Are you kidding me? Guy's right. a pro bowler, guy's rookie of the year, guy's going to play next season at 25 years of age. And, um, you know, we had John Clark our, our, um, from NBC10 and, and NBC Sports Philadelphia, Johnny Airport, we call him, and he went out there and he <laughs> met A.J. Brown at the airport. And John is 6'6". And I know yeah. A.J. Brown is listed at 6'1", and I'm thinking, I don't know how that is, because he was just below John to me, so he's sizable. I don't know, if, I don't remember if he was wearing a hat, but, <laughs> but uh, I thought, that's a big dude, uh, and at 225 pounds, that's, that's a lot of weight to throw around at that kind of speed. So I really think that, that they, and then you talk about N'Kobe Dean, for goodness oh, sake. I love Dean. Also, love while Dean. maybe a little undersized, Steve, um, yep. The speed that this guy has and the and the grit that he plays with is it's going to be exciting. I love this draft class. Uh, yeah, exactly, spot on. I think as you talk about getting a guy like Kelsey later, Dean in the third round, I think was an absolute steal for them. That's a football player, guy that knows how to play the game. Uh, I just heard, I just heard him on on the local radio out of Philadelphia. He was just on, and he was. Uh, he, he, he was talking about, uh, they asked him, what's his favorite thing to do on the field? He said, I love to meet, either meet the tight end in the hole or a pulling guard in the hole and it, it just put hat on hat. And, you know, he's 5'11", for goodness sake. So, so and, and that's, that's the way he plays. So that's exciting. It really is. Do you, you like this move? Oh, big time. He's a football player. In other words, you like yeah. guys like he, in other words, their guys are great athletes playing football. Athlete, you know, he's a good athlete, no doubt, but he's a football player. You talk about meeting a guy in the hole. See, my broadcast partner, Jack Ham, he'll tell you right away if a linebacker does that and sheds, they're big time. Yep. And that's all Jack Ham did. So, yeah. Uh, and flatten guys. Um, yep. Yeah. So, so uh, I think, I think Eagles fans are, are very excited about this draft. They're excited about the team going into mini camp and training camp. And let's face it, you know, coming off that Super Bowl, we we all had delusions of grandeur, I think, that this team was going to be contending year in and year out. That was 17 season, as you well know. And here we are approaching 22 season. And, and really, they haven't sniffed the Super Bowl or the opportunity to appear in one again since that year. So a, a lot of people have, have become deflated, Steve. And, and I think this is – sometimes you can just tell. I mean, you can talk about measurables, and you can talk about uh, any other things uh, that that go into building a football team. But you get Jordan Davis and Cam Jurgens and the Kobe Dean mm-hmm. and Kyron Johnson and Grant Calcaterra, and then you add in AJ Brown. Uh, yeah. that's that's awesome. You know, yeah. it really you, is. I you think. swung, you 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 swung for the fences, and you picked up big time runs. Yeah. Uh, bravo, the, bravo, Howie Roseman. Yeah. Uh, now let's the Sixers. No Joel Embiid again tonight for obvious reasons. I felt like Doc tried to pull every rabbit out of the hat the other night. What do they need from James Harden in particular, Michael? That at least gives them a puncher's chance in a game like this. I, I think they need to be. They need to see James Harden be the James Harden of, of yesteryear, if you will. And, and certainly uh, many were, were led to believe that James Harden was a, 
if not a top five player in the NBA, a top ten player in the NBA at the time of his acquisition in that Simmons trade, and it, it hasn't been. I remember reading that Kevin Durant said he thought privately that that maybe he wasn't in good enough shape. I don't know if that's true or not, but certainly he, he has not been the James Harden that we saw when he played for Houston and even a little bit for the net. And I, th- I think we, we need to, to see him rise up and be that kind of guy and, and hold on until Joel Embiid comes back. And hopefully they'll get Joel Embiid back. But you're talking about a bona fide MVP caliber player in Embiid and, uh, and, and in the years past in Harden. And Harden's got to yep. be that guy. You know, and, and someone like Tobias Harris has to do what he did. Tyrese Maxey has to do what he did. Yeah. They've all got to chip in because when you've got someone as talented and as beast-like as Joel Embiid, that's a huge void. And, and really, I mean, who expects them to win this series if they don't have Joel Embiid? It's going to be a virtual impossibility. So they've, they've got to keep the seat warm. And uh, going 0-2 down, coming back to Philadelphia is not the way to do it. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, um, but I think James Harden needs to, needs to really let it fly, you know? Absolutely. And I know there's a time restraint with having you on. Always an honor to have you on the show, my friend. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate you very much. Steve Jones, for you, I'm good till midnight. Are you kidding? I won't. When they start the Philly Speed Game show tonight, and I'm not there, it's because I'm talking to Steve Jones, for goodness sake. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate I you, you very much. Hey, please Thanks. call me again. I, I love talking to you. Same here, Michael. We look forward to having All you right, back. Steve. Michael Barkan. Always love talking to him. Um, by the way, before the week's out, we're going to have Dick Girardi on the Kentucky Derby. That is this weekend. Um, in fact, I believe the suit is taking his, what, fourth vacation of the year because he has to mentally get himself ready to lay down some... F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells falta! He wants to lay down some big-time paper. Um, big-time paper. Now, he has no idea who's running in the race. I've tried to point out to him you are betting on animals. <laughs> I said humans are unpredictable enough. Oh, my almighty! <laughs> so, but we need to have him on. That way we can give the suit at least a better guide on how to approach the Kentucky Derby. The run for the roses. Mint juleps. This is like this is Matt's house. Now I keep telling him, look, Luke and Mark are just little kids. You can't be giving them mint juleps because it's some sort of tradition in Kentucky. You can't do that. I mean, do you know what's in that stuff? Yeah, that's why I'm not going to do it. Well, yeah, I warned you last year about it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, when it comes to the parenting thing, I'm trying to help you out as much as I can. I appreciate you little, that. You get a little excited. About, can't wait to give the kids mint juleps. I mean, you can't do that. You, you don't know what's in this. <laughs> then I gave you the ingredients. You backed off fast. <laughs> oh my goodness! And then, then you know, where were you? You were you were here at the blue white game, and you know, and the two year olds out there mowing the lawn. What are you doing? <laughs> You can't do that. He was taking care of business. That's what he was doing. 
now he knows how to put the gas in the mower and he's been practicing and practicing so we're, we're all set in a couple years okay child <laughs> services one eight hundred okay I mean, it's one thing that you're yelling at him because he's not hitting the ball well enough off the tee, and then you're yelling at Mark because he's not fielding it. He's eight months. <laughs> I mean, if it was Glaber Torres, who doesn't feel that well anyway. But, you know, I could see. I would still take Mark over Glaber Torres, but I love his bat right now. Oh, you're just... Oh, Mark's bat? Good. I'm glad. <laughs> no, talk uh, about Glaber Torres. <laughs> His glove, not so much. But I'm telling yes. you right now, your kids play in a little league game the first time. I'm going. <laughs> right, right. You know, Lisa's going to be there. Come on, let's go. Encouraging. Come on. Rooting for all the other kids. You, of course, tunnel vision. Come on, come on! Don't step away from the ball. Come on, you coward. <laughs> Just like Frank and everybody loves Raymond when he's keeping scoring, he says the one kid yes. has six errors out in the in the outfield. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. You ever see the one? Was it this? Everybody loves Raymond, right? And the father is an usher at church, and he spends the entire mass. Just talking to the other ushers yes. until it comes time to collect money. I love that show. I've seen every episode thousands of times. Yes. Another good one. <laughs> it really is not uh, far from the truth. All right. So. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Oh, my goodness. All right. We will come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. So we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Doug texted me, he said, there's no one better than the suit I'm betting, is there? Just yesterday I heard him say he put $1,000 down on Secretariat to win this year's Derby. In fact, he went with a trifecta. He picked Secretariat affirmed in Seattle Slough. It had to be had to be pointed out that none of them are still with us. Uh, it's just that's just not the good way to go about it. I mean, <laughs> no good, no good, no good. I mean, I would think a prerequisite to to winning is that that whatever the entity has to be has to be alive. All right, so <laughs> what's next, Marty Jones? I mean, I start out. I start out with like a like a simple threshold. <laughs> oh, we'll talk to Dick tomorrow about the Derby. Um, I talked to I talked to Dick a lot about uh, horse racing during the course of the basketball season. It's one of the reasons why it's such an easy, free flowing conversation between the two of us because we talk about it a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that back in the fifties, it was baseball, boxing, horse racing were the three prominent sports. Uh, and horse racing is, let's face it, the Kentucky Derby is always going to get a lot of viewers, and the Preakness will get a lot of viewers too. But the Belmont is totally reliant in terms of getting an expanded audience on whether a horse can negotiate 
the Derby and the Preakness back-to-back. If you have separate winners, it doesn't happen. Uh, and that's the way it is. Boxing, boxing's kind of just falling off. Uh, I mean, it, it's not, I know Mayweather Pacquiao got a huge number financially, but it's like they, you don't have people talking about that fight. You don't have, it's just people don't talk about the fights anymore. They just don't. I mean, who's the heavyweight champion? People don't know. All right. Um, interesting story from Heather Dinich had a chance at the Big Ten uh, spring meetings to talk briefly with Gene Smith, athletic director at Ohio State. He says, look, I'm just throwing ideas out there. He said that uh, schools that offer 85 scholarships need different rules. He said they could create minimum standards for membership. We can create our own rules, create our own governance structure, have our own enforcement. We have our own requirements, whatever that might be. He said that might be in the medical space. For example, if a student athlete is injured and hurt in his or her senior year, you take care of them when they're done until they're healed. And we have been fun- we have the funding in place to do that. You don't touch anything else with the NCAA. You keep the academic requirements in place. The reality is those schools who offer 85 scholarships in football have made a different commitment, and that needs to be addressed. He's not talking about bagging the NCAA basketball tournament either. In other words, he's talking this in terms of just on the football side of it. He shared. He says he shared his idea with some of his peers and has received mixed reviews. His suggestion comes at a time when the NCAA and Big 12 are both searching for new leaders. The NCAA is restructuring its entire governance and weighty issues like name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal, which have dominated discussions. Smith said the FCS championship for college football should remain untouched, but the FBS could follow the same model. He pointed out that as the FBS commissioners continue to consider an expanded playoff beyond the 2025 season... They're only talking about those 10 leagues and Notre Dame. The college football playoff model needs to be looked at differently. As we consider expansion, we ought to consider the structure. The reality is we need to begin to take control of our own space. We've got to make sure we're careful with antitrust. But at the end of the day, we need different rules. College... Colorado Athletic Director Rick George said he's been saying for years that college football needs somebody to oversee the sport in the same way college basketball is run with Dan Gavitt, who is the Senior Vice President of Basketball at the NCAA. He says college football needs the same thing. You sort of have the same thing with Bill Hancock, who's the head of the CFP. Now, the college football playoffs incorporated, by the way, and the NCAA has nothing to do with it. They have nothing to do with it. But the, as Gene Smith says, they need to be able to, because of their circumstances, have the rules structured in such a way that allows them to do it properly, do it right, and thrive. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. Bob Grove coming up in the next half hour. Thanks to Michael Barkan, who was just great today. 
on the show. Always a pleasure to have uh, the great Michael Barkan on. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Umbles Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK, where we actually talk a lot more than just about the Yankees and the Sixers. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a great service department that handles everything. Inspections, routine, diagnostics, you name it, they can handle it. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, we'll be back to more Yankee, Eagle, and Sixers talk in a moment. The the number of things where I, I come in and I have to change the show up just to keep you calm. <laughs> Most times it's appreciated. <laughs> Most? Come on. <laughs> I worry about you. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, so you're 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 stuck. You know, the Yankees tantalize you just enough that one eleven in a row. So now you think you think the race is over. It's May. So I get concerned about that. Sixers, you know, no Joel Embiid. I think somebody mentioned the day of the Harden trade that you better watch out. You wouldn't listen. Yeah, I'll start listening to the show more. <laughs> I guess I should. It'll take some of the edge off for you. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be negative about your teams. I'm just trying to be realistic. <laughs> I thought, you're the one that tells me we're real. You're right. You have been. Yeah, I've just been hoping that you've been wrong. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm wrong all the time in most cases when I'm <laughs> honest about things. Uh... <laughs> hey. I'm just here having a good time. Okay. All right, let's uh, talk to uh, Bob Grove now. Let's get into the Penguins after their great, I mean, really, a triple overtime win. Now, whether this is an indicator of the series or whether the Rangers, you know, bounce right back, whatever, I don't know. Who knows? But last night was some game to watch. Bob, welcome. Great to have you with us. Great to be on, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I I was going to start out by talking about, you know, as the game's going on last night and going overtime to overtime. 
what a great job, win or lose, that Casey DeSmith did. And then, then Deming comes in the game. <laughs> I, and I looked up Journeyman, right? And his picture was there. Yeah. <laughs> 17 yeah. saves, Bob. I mean, in the most unlikely yeah. scenario. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember seeing a game where uh, the starting goalie, you know, left in the middle of an overtime, a multi-overtime period like that. I mean, I really can't. And you know, we don't have enough information from the Penguins about exactly what it was. There was some speculation he was cramping up, and that was the issue. Or you know, he got hurt on some play, and you know, he's got a lower body injury, and it just was strange. And you could, you know, you listen to the Domingue interviews after the game, and he talked about it like he had no idea. Right. <laughs> he, was a, he was about to go in the game. So you're absolutely right. The Smith was, the Smith has been really good the last month and a half or yeah. so. I mean, he, he has been. He's been good. He was really good, especially early in the game when the Penguins were not quite as ready to play as the Rangers were. He was terrific. So he had a good game. And, you know, I will say this about Domingue. You come in in that situation, which is so weird, and all you have to be, Steve, is perfect. You can't let any in, right? Right. And and, and now I will say that it's not like the Rangers peppered them with great A scoring chances because they did not. No, because I thought the Penguins played really kind of like picked it up in front of him. They did. Yeah, they did. They kept the Rangers. I mean, even quite frankly, the Penguins were the better team after about five or six minutes of the second period. The rest of the night through Agreed. the overtime period, even Agreed. though they were the older team, yep, they were dictating the game, and um, they kept the Rangers to a, a lot of their shots were were not great chances. So, but all marks, full marks to uh, Louis Domingue for what he just did. <laughs> Amazing. Well, my running joke was because I think Emily, you know, I think you know Emily Kaplan went here to Penn State. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and she gave the report on on the extra goalie. <laughs> See, he's sitting there going, "Oh, please don't get hurt." <laughs> yeah, that was wild. Uh, I'm wa- as I'm watching the game last night. Sometimes a guy doesn't figure in the scoring, although one of the guys I'm about to mention did. But they played a really good game. There, reason why you won. I felt like both Rodriguez and Kapanen played those kind of games last night where, yeah, they're not scoring goals, although Kapanen would get an assist on the game winner because uh, he, he got it started. But I thought their their roles last night were exactly what the Penguins needed. What did you think, Bob? No, I think they. I agree with you that they both played well, and I, I think I would especially underline Kapanen. So when Raquel gets hit and leaves the game yeah. late in the first period, both of those guys get bumped up. Um, you know, uh, up the lineup, and Rodriguez moves up to the third line, and Kapanen up to the second line, and Kapanen's the guy who obviously had been a problem all season. He's underachieved. You know, there's no consistency to his play. And last night, he was involved a little physically. Mm-hmm. He was responsible with the puck. Yeah. He was skating with it. He looked. He looked like almost like a completely different player. And to your point, yes, he got an assist on the on the game winning goal. Um, but there's a lot to like about the way he played in that game last night, and that's what you need when you get into multiple overtime games. Boy, look, they're down a forward. They only have 11 forwards to begin with. Right. If you have passengers at that point, yep. for whatever reason, it's a big, big problem. And you know, there were a couple of forwards I, I wasn't real enamored with. I didn't think Bluger had a particularly great game. No. Carter's line was okay as a unit, but I didn't think he was particularly no. strong either. But otherwise, the Penguins got what they needed from their support guys, even though they didn't show up on the score sheet. 
uh, you know, they didn't score the goals, but the Penguins, like I said, they dictated the the play largely in all three overtimes. And both of those guys, the one common denominator, Steve, is speed for both Kapanen and Rodriguez. Like, Rodriguez is getting lit up over the last half of the year because he can't finish. But getting to pucks, using his speed to get into spaces where he can score has never been a problem. Or is it getting shots on goal? So, you know, kudos to both of them for stepping up and playing better. You know, it's interesting, though, on the speed part of it. You're going to put teams on their heels, and they're going to give, like, they're going to, it's, it's like the, the corner backing off a couple of yards because he's got some speed on, on him. Rodriguez will eventually finish, or he'll get somebody else to finish, but he's going to get more space because of his speed. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and he tries to use it in, in the best way possible, which, which is, I mean, he when he sees he's got a chance, to beat somebody, um, he he really has been con- pretty consistent in getting to pucks. So there's a lot of talk about look, everybody's looking at his numbers, and, and I have a problem with. I mean, the guy has had incredible chances in the second half of the season. So it's true that he he's not finished anywhere near the way he should. But you got to give guys marks for getting pucks to net, which he generally has done, and for creating space for himself and his line mates. And he does that pretty consistently. Yeah. So um, that part of his game, there's no complaints about. What can you say about the number of minutes and the quality of minutes that Chris Letang <clears throat> logged last night? Well, he's amazing. And we've, we've been watching him do this, well, not 46 minutes, but yeah. we've been watching him play incredible minutes every season. And last night, Steve, there were times in the third, early in the third overtime period, I, I just I watched him. I said, you can't tell. This could be the second period of a game, yeah. the way Latang is playing. Right. He's an amazing. His physical condition is incredible. This guy never looked tired last night, and trust me. He had he he drives a lot of what goes on when he's on the ice. <laughs> Not going to show up in the yeah. score sheet, yeah. but he was – what a season he's having. Steve, I mean, think about it. This guy, everybody goes back to his year at two, in 2016 when he scored, um, you know, the goal that put the Penguins uh, – the you know, they put them ahead to stay in San Jose. And mm-hmm. he had an unbelievable playoff run. Right. And that was the year he put up his, you know, his career high in points and all that kind of stuff. He just turned 35, and he had the best year of his career. How many guys do you think can say they just accomplished that at the age of 35? It's rare. Well, it's rare because um, what's interesting about the NHL, and when Crosby signed a a contract, and I want to say Crosby was 27 or whatever when he signed this particular contract, I did an entire segment on my show about, okay, He's going to put up really great numbers, but he may not put up the numbers he put up before. And I cited all these guys after 25, Howe, Gretzky, or, you know, the guys, you know, that still put up some numbers, but at the age of 25. That's why when you're talking about Latang at 35, that's unbelievable because that goes against the norm of the league. Oh, it's absolutely true. I mean, I mean, it is. I mean, they're just, when you get to this age, and look, and we all know, Guys today, because of the way they take care of themselves, can play into their late 30s and sometimes into their 40s, as we see with Zidane Chara. Yep. But but to put this kind of a load on on one guy, and that's why with him, you know, his contract situation. So look, we don't know if he's coming back. Right. 
but I don't know how you fill a hole if you don't re-sign him. I don't know how you fill that hole that Chris Letang fills up right now. Quarterback to power play, play 26, 25 minutes every night. You know, he, he just he just he's he's been so good. He he is to the Penguins what Victor Hedman is to Tampa Bay, and Hedman's thirty-one, by the way. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean. In other words, these are the guys that are expected to be the stalwart defensively, but then when it comes time to transition, Latang and Hedman are two of the better transition guys in from one end of the ice to the other that the, the league has right now and maybe has had the last fifteen years. Yeah, no, and the and, the, and their teams rely on them. Trust me, they they really yeah. really do. They have a there's a comfort level for everybody on that bench that you know Latang's got this. The Rangers did win three out of four during the regular season. Uh, and so you know, the Penguins go out and get the first one they needed. Now they have, quote, home ice to their advantage moving forward. Okay, how does Mike Sullivan need to handle today, after last night, to get ready for the next one? Well, he's got to tell them to remember how they got from 0-2 to 2-2 last night. Right. Because how they did it, was they found their forecheck. And that's how the Rangers established a 2 nothing lead. They were the better team in the first period. But after the first few minutes of the second, the Penguins started the forecheck consistently in the New York zone. They had no zone time in the first period. And so that's what he's got to do, is he's got to remind them how not how they won the game at the end of it, but how they got themselves, they pulled themselves back into the game. And and that's how they did it for me. So that's what they've got to continue to do because the Rangers have the Rangers look we've been talking about the Penguins speeds of some of their guys, but the Rangers still probably have better team speed than the Penguins do. But that wasn't evident last night. There, to me when I watched that game in overtime, I thought, wow, the Penguins experience is really paying off for them right now because they are pushing the game and they look more confident and the Rangers don't they they're, they're, they they look uncertain about how it's all gone south for them. And some of that was because of the goal got that got pulled back. I didn't think they dealt with that the right way, but uh, wow. I mean, the Penguins just have to – that's what they have to do. You have to play the Rangers. If you're going to beat them, you got to play in their zone. Mm-hmm. That's right. No, you got to tilt the ice on them. you got to make them play defense uh, because they want to attack. Now I want to get to Gensel for a moment. He had, a, he had a couple last night, which is not unusual. This is what Gensel does. Bob, mm-hmm. you've watched a lot of, of guys who have the ability to find the net. What is it about Gensel? that puts him in that category of being one of the better ones that knows how to find the net? Well, first of all, he's able to read plays. I mean, anyone who watches him will tell you the hockey smarts. His dad's a hockey coach, so he yeah. grew up with the game. You know, like well, a lot of guys grow up with it if you've reached this level. But, I mean, he's got a different kind of perspective that comes through. So he knows how to read a play and he knows how to get himself in position. And then when the puck's coming to him, I mean, his finishing ability is just off the charts. And there are probably still some people around the NHL who say, well, you know, he's playing with Sidney Crosby, so he scored 40 goals, so what? Well, look, much like we did with Mario, we can always point to guys who played with Sid or Mario and couldn't get it done. Because you got to think the game at a different level, and he does that. So he's smart. And he's unbelievably quick hands and, and, and finishing ability. And he's not that big. And he, he will hang out in front of the net. And that's why people are saying, well, you know, he gets beat up in the playoffs. Well, 
that's the price you pay. Yari Curry played with Gretzky. Mike Bossy played with Brian Trottier. Kenny Hodge played with Phil Esposito. Look, yeah. guess what? <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's why it's called a team sport, right? It's great that he's yeah. with Crosby. Well, guess what? He makes it pay off. <laughs> yeah, he does. No, that's absolutely right. And you, you, you never say that about Mike Bossy, you know, the late Mike Bossy, and the, you know that that's hit the NHL so hard. Um, I've never seen a guy with a quicker release in my life than Mike Bossy. Oh, oh. And Trottier was an unbelievable player, but Mike Bossy just oh. was like he was in a league all by himself. As far as you want to talk about a guy who's a sniper, oh, <laughs> that's I- him. Well, I, and I have said that on this show so many times. When they'll, they'd be talking about this guy or that guy, I say, guys, don't leave out Mike Bossy, right? right. Like and that, that. I'm trying to remember. Bossy was more of a, he was a right winger, if I think, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. And boy, did he whew, did he have a shot. Bob, what a pleasure. Appreciate it. Always love talking hockey with you, my friend. Thank you. Same here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Refreshing to talk about winners, man. You know what? It is refreshing, even though I hate the Penguins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was refreshing. Actually, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. You. No, but seriously though, last night when I watched Penguins Rangers, that was the first hockey game I've watched in months because I've been so disgusted but, with the Flyers. It was refreshing to watch competent NHL teams with competent NHL like GMs and coaches and everything else. Well, uh, but that is the way. For example college sports is getting to be uh, it's it's a way almost every sport's getting to be except for the NFL where it's the segment where the playoffs begin that people get engaged so eh, you know it's like I, I wish it were a little bit different but it is the way All right, we'll come back wrap it up in a moment uh, we'll let Matt talk about whatever topic he wants to talk about in the final uh, 60 seconds here on uh, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. All right, Matt, uh, so what do you want to talk about? (laughs) I had my fill earlier. Before you no, stepped no, up, just talking that, Sixers. That's, see what you want to talk about. It's up to you. <laughs> well, I do have this question actually. Going back to the portal. <laughs> <laughs> Which is? Which is I? I also wonder too. When we're talking about this possible super team thing, if it comes to fruition, 
how much that really affects college basketball too because we see the super team thing in the NBA uh, that might spell a little disaster in college basketball but that's just me uh, in look, particular but but we have we aren't seeing any signs of that yet which is good hopefully it doesn't get we, that we way we are but. not seeing any signs of players grouping together and going someplace together for example you've seen a couple of Oklahoma players go to USC but who's the head coach at USC? Yeah, Lincoln Riley. That's right. Yeah. So you're seeing that uh, Mel Tucker went to Michigan State. He did not bring Colorado guys with him. Okay. Uh, I I would be more wary of that than I would be of players getting together. And do, even though the players are in contact with each other, I'd be far more wary of a coach going someplace and bringing a segment of his team with him. I'd be more concerned about that than I would be about players grouping together and deciding on a location to go to. I mean, it obviously doesn't work in the NBA. I mean, the Nets tried to do it. No. Sixers, you know, they've all screaming highway robbery on the Harden trade. Nope. The Lakers? Lakers are, nope. That was rock bottom out there. Eesh. By the way, Penn State, Syracuse, Beaver Stadium 2027, and up in the Dome in 2028. Two-year series announced today. So there we go. More Matt moaning tomorrow.